Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome again to South Lansing Christian Church. I'm so glad that you're here. It is our Back to Church Sunday, and it's so great to see all of you here with us. It's funny, on days that we have the picnic, it seems like more of you show up to second service than first service. I, I get that, though. I get that. It's, uh, it's back to church, back to school. Our last school district finally went back to school this week, Grand Ledge. It's back to work, and so after vacations this summer and being gone, we're back into the swing of things. And as a church, we're back into the swing of our, our spiritual practices, our habits of faith. And so as a church, we are jumping into a new Bible reading plan. How many of you got a notification from the Bible app this morning? More than just me, like two of us? All right, at least I did. I got a notification from the Bible app. So if you would like to participate with us in the Bible app, you set us as your church, South Lansing Christian Church, as your church, and then there's a featured reading plan. We're going about two chapters a day from Genesis through Deuteronomy for this fall, 100 days in Scripture together as a church, and, uh, and we're encouraging you to come along with us. Now there are some videos, we're using a Bible project plan again, and those videos give you some background. We love these videos, they give you some context doesn't mean that we agree with everything that's in these videos because we're humans and we're Christians and we never agree on everything all the time. So if you see something in the videos that you're curious about or have a question about, please come see me or email Wally or, you know, we want to talk about these things and talk about what you're learning. The point is to grow in our discussion of God's word. God's story is a core value here at South, and because of that, it's essential that we as God's people get into God's word and study scripture together. As a, from a 30,000-foot view, we're on a multi-year through the Bible journey, which we kicked off in January, reading the Gospels together. And then now we're in the Torah, the first five books. This coming winter, we'll be back in the New Testament again, and then we're going to go back to the Old Testament. Our goal is to get through all of Scripture again. Last year, we finished up a three-year through the Bible journey, and this year we're, we're heading out on another multi-year journey. So that's, that's the plan uh, 100 days, two chapters a day. Now, as we, uh, as we read, we are also going to be preaching every week out of uh, what we're reading. And so when you read Genesis chapter 2 this week, actually tomorrow, you'll realize, hey, that's what Walter talked about on Sunday. And that's our plan. And so for this entire journey this fall, we'll be preaching every week. And, uh, and, and so our first series is six weeks. It's called Ever-Present Help. It's looking at the times when God shows up for his people whether they realized they needed help or not, he showed up for his people in Genesis and Exodus. And so that's six weeks. God is truly an ever-present help. And that's a good thing because if you're like me, there are moments in your life when you need help. Have you ever had one of those days where things just feel off? You get up out of bed and, and it seems like maybe you got up on the wrong side of the bed or the, the world is tilted a little bit. Things feel not quite right, you're frustrated, maybe you're carrying around a sense of, of anxiousness or anxiety. Something is off, but you can't quite put your finger on it. It's almost like when you're driving down the road and your car goes over a bump and then there's a tick, 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 and you're like, oh no, something is wrong. And so you pull over and you get out and you walk around your car and you, can't, you don't see anything that jumps out. You pop the hood and you look and you know it's a mystery in there too. And so you hop back in your car and you keep driving and that tick is still there. Something is off, something's wrong, but you don't know what it is and you're not sure if, even if you knew what it was, if you could solve it. In those off days, in those times like that, when, when life is like that, it would be really nice if somebody could just come in and push that magic easy button and our life would be better and, and things would be okay. 
But we're not always sure exactly what would make it better because we don't necessarily understand the problem in the first place. And so we don't know who to talk to or who to reach out to. And and if I had to guess, you've had a day or two or a year or two like that. And it's clear that in those seasons, you need someone that you can depend on. Well, today we're going to start off our journey in Scripture with Psalm 46, which is kind of the anchor passage for this ever-present help series. And we're going to, to meet just such a person, someone who can help, somebody who is dependable, who knows what's going on with us and has the ability. So turn with me to Psalm 46. We're starting in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam and let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Now we preach and read a lot out of the New Living Translation here because it's super readable and, and understandable. But I have, a, I have a place in my heart for the NIV translation of this verse which puts it this way. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. What an apt description for who God is and for who we know Him to be. And, and you know, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. There's something within us that knows that we need a higher power. Christian, agnostic, atheist, no matter who you are, there's something that when tragedy strikes, something in you that reaches out and, and, and seeks help from God. And you know, tomorrow's the anniversary of 9-11. We saw this, those of you who remember it, we saw this in our country. For a time after tragedy struck our country, man, everybody was going back to church and there were candlelight vigils and all-night prayer services and Scripture was read on TV and, and everyone was, was so into seeking God because tragedy had struck and then things kind of settled down and people drifted off at least until the next tragedy struck. There's something in us that, that, that cries out, that, that knows that we need help. We need the help of somebody much greater than us. This is, uh, this is summed up in a song that you're probably familiar with. Not one of my favorite songs, but uh, it's a song that describes this. I cracked myself up with this meme this week. Not that, that wheel, Jesus. Jesus, take the wheel. It is, uh, it's been mocked. It's been memed. It has maybe some poorly informed theology, but it speaks to that that. that the thing within us, that motivation that we have to reach out when there's trouble, when something is wrong, when there's a problem. Now for the psalmist here in Psalm 46, God is the person that we reach out to. He's that help, but not only is He that help, He's that ever-present help. And these pictures surrounding Psalm 46, pictures of earthquakes and mountains and, and oceans, these are pictures of chaos. Chaos of the world, uncertainty, fear and worry, and yet God is present there, and by His presence, he brings, he brings peace and He brings stability. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. I want to talk a little bit this morning about what it looks like when God steps in and helps. And, and to do that, we're going to travel back to Genesis 2 to the very first time the word help is used in Scripture. So turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 2. We've read some of Genesis 2 and 3 in our previous series, the Fallout series, talking about the Ten Commandments. But in Genesis chapter 2, we encounter Adam and we encounter a man who has a problem. 
Not that Adam necessarily understands his problem, but Adam has a problem. And so Genesis 2, verse 15, reads like this. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. And then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So Adam was given a job, and it was to tend to the garden that God had planted, this perfect garden. And I read this, and I think about the trees that are there. And, oh, sorry, that's a different sermon. I read this, and I think about our future as God's people in the new heaven and the new earth, and, and hoping that maybe I'll get the position of being God's gardener in the future. And so Adam lived in this perfect, perfect garden. He lived with a perfect relationship with God. Uh, he had purpose, and yet something was off. Something was wrong in paradise, and, and Adam had a problem. And it's not clear that Adam himself recognized this problem, but it's clear that, that God knew Adam, and he knew that Adam had a problem. And, and so what's fascinating in a creation that multiple so- times God has declared good, and there was day and night, and it was good. And, you know, God created the, the animals and the plants, and it was good. Suddenly here, the Lord God said, it is not good. And so God steps in, verse 19. So the Lord, formed, the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. And he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one, and he gave names to all the livestock and all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But there was still no helper just right for him. Among all the animals, God makes these animals. He brings them to Adam. Adam looks at them, names them, which is kind of an incredible responsibility. And yet, there's no helper. And so God continues to help. Verse 21, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening And the Lord God made a woman from the rib. How metal is that? And then he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and she will be called woman because she was taken from man. And this explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. I love that reaction there. At last, Adam is overcome with excitement and and joy at seeing Eve, and he creates this little love poem right on the spot, and it's like this Hallmark movie moment of of the first romance and the first poetry all in one. And there are so many observations we can take away from this text, observations about what God was doing in his creation and his purpose, and there's some observations that we can take away about uh, how God has designed us for relationships. And there are a couple very pertinent observations to our world today that we can, we can look at Genesis 2 and we can look at the other account of creating human beings, Genesis 1, 27. So God created humans in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And we start to form a foundation for a Christian understanding of, uh, of marriage and of gender and of, of sexual identity. And, and upon that foundation, we start to look at the rest of the witness of Scripture. 
and we continue to build that. And, and so two takeaways here are, are, number one, marriage for God's people is, is between one man and one woman for life, and the only appropriate arena for sexual expression is within the bounds of that covenant relationship. That's God's standard. And yet there are so many of us who haven't met God's standard, and that's where God offers grace. And we are people who are defined by God's grace. Because even if you haven't met God's standard in, even if you have met God's standard in the arena of marriage, you've probably not met God's standard in the arena of greed or idolatry or honesty or all the rest. And so the, the ground is equal at the foot of the cross. And we come to Jesus on equal footing, recognize that we don't have any worth in our own self. We, we have no right to come before God, but Jesus offers grace. So that's, that's the first, first takeaway is, is marriage for God's people. The second takeaway is that God designed sexual dimorphism into the very fabric of humanity from, from the time of Genesis, from his creation. And because of that, things like male and female aren't just labels or not just categories we choose. They're woven into the fabric of our DNA, into who we are. By God himself. But those are much longer discussions that we can have later on. I've got some great books in my office I'd love to send your way, and you know maybe we'll, we'll talk about this more later. But for now, the point of our story this morning is this. From the very beginning of time, God has been in tune with his people. He's known what's going on with their lives. He saw that Adam had a problem, and he stepped in to help. And I believe that God is the same way today, that God knows you, that God understands you, and that when life doesn't make sense, that God is an ever-present help. In 2021, my wife, Jamie, loaded up our family, the kids, into the, the family minivan. This is a picture of this beautiful machine. For those of you guys in the room who've got some kids and have been like holding out, I don't want the minivan, don't want the minivan. Let me tell you, a minivan with a trailer is the best pickup truck that you will never own. So you should get one of these. I remember this week that Jamie took the kids to Illinois real well because I was at CIY with our students here and um, we were off in Bowling Green, Ohio and I had to step out of a session to take a phone call from my wife and she said, hey, the, the van is acting up, I'm not sure what to do. She was at AutoZone. They had decided she needed a battery. And I said, well, you know, put a battery in, I guess, and head on down the road. And she did. It wasn't the problem. And so the minivan limped its way to our friend's house in Illinois, and she parked it, and there it set. And we really weren't sure what to do at this point. We had a lot of options, but I didn't like any of the options because they all cost money, and I don't want to spend money. Option number one was have it towed to a, a shop and they could work on it, but their lead time was, was super far. It was going to be a couple weeks, and not only that, getting it towed there, that didn't sound like money I wanted to spend. Option number two was me drive down and, and try to go work on it, diagnose the problem in person, but I was still in Ohio with students from church, and it would be a few days before I was free, and our, our second car is only in a, around the town car, and so that didn't seem like a good option, and we... We talked through some other possibilities, but nothing seemed to work out. It didn't seem like it was going to be possible until our friend John stepped in. For nearly, for nearly the entire time that we lived in Illinois, my friend John had been there, and he had been solving problems before we even knew that we had them. When Jamie was pregnant with our first kid, we were driving this rust bucket 
GMC Jimmy that had two doors and was fine for young adults would not be fine for a family of three. And one day John said, hey, I got a, I got a car lined up for you guys to replace that old Jimmy. We didn't even necessarily knew we had the problem, but John stepped in. When times were tight and we were having trouble making ends meet, John would hire me for work around his farm, and, and that really helped us out a lot. When we were looking for a house, John stepped in and, and helped us locate a house that would work well for our family. And I hope that you have someone in your life like my friend John, someone who, who will step into these situations. For the minivan situation, John stepped in and he loaded the minivan on his farm trailer, hooked his farm truck up, and they hauled the whole thing back up to my shop where I could work on it here and uh, figure that out. His wife loaded my family in their SUV and my family ended up back up here too. And he solved a problem for us even when I didn't really know what was wrong with the van. And again, I hope that you have someone in your life like my friend John, but I hope even more that you've given your life to Jesus Christ that you've made him the Lord of your life, that you've accepted him and his offer of salvation. Because if you do, if you have, then you have somebody in your corner who's way better than any human friend could ever be. Who knows you, who understands you, and who has the ability and the power and the willingness to help. When moments of life don't make sense, our God is that ever-present help. And he can step in. You know, Genesis 2, when you look at the way that God helped, Genesis 2 makes a couple things very clear. Number one, God knew Adam. God knew Adam. He knew his ins and outs. He, he had created Adam. He knew what made him tick. He knew what was going well for him. He knew what was apparently a struggle. God knew Adam so well, and God knows you too. God knows everything about you. He's created you. He knows the good and the bad and the strange in between. Some of, the, some of us that maybe makes us uncomfortable, but it really should, should help us know that we are known and we are loved and that God is standing there ready to help His people. You are known. Number two, God not only knew Adam, but God knew Adam had a problem. A problem that it's not clear that Adam recognized for himself. And again, God, because He knew Adam so well, He knew how things were going for him. He knew that something was off. It was not good for the man to be alone, verse 18. Again, for you and me, because God knows us so well, He knows when things are going well. He also knows when we've been having an off, off day or an off season. And He knows what's causing them, even if we can't necessarily put our finger on, on the problem. God knows your problems. He understands them better than you do. And so even if you don't fully know what to do, God does. God knows. God knows you have a problem. And third, God stepped in and helped. God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. And you know, you and, you and I think of helping as, as kind of a lower position, right? The, the kid helping you cook in your kitchen or the, the apprentice electrician helping the journeyman, me holding the flashlight for my dad when he was working on equipment. We think of the, the helper as, as a lower position, but in Scripture, when this word is used, it is almost always, it's more generally used for a greater power, a liberating army coming in and rescuing an oppressed people. And in those kinds of situations, I don't think the helper is the lesser. And even more so when you get to the book of Psalms and you see how this word help is used, when it's used for God helping, he steps in and he helps the poor and the oppressed and the widowed and those who have no voice. God steps in and helps and God is certainly not 
the lesser. You can think of God as, as a helper, as, as God the Father, looking at us like a toddler who's fallen down on the, on the sidewalk and we've scraped our knees and they're bloody and we're falling and we're crying and he, he reaches down and he picks us up. That's the kind of helper that God is. And so don't get this mixed up when you see Eve referred to as a helper in Scripture or God referred to as a helper in Scripture. For too much of church history, we've, we've sometimes used passages like these to say that women are somehow less than when Eve's designation as a, a helper, if anything, raises her status because God is a helper too. And that, that word help is so often used for a greater power, a greater being stepping in to help someone who can't help themselves. But that's all aside. God stepped in. God knew Adam had a problem and God helped. And I believe that God will do the same for you. Those of you who are in small groups, in your small group guides this week, I have you reading Acts 17. In it, Paul is preaching a sermon and he says that you know God created everything and he raised up the nations so that the nations would come to him and know that he is God. And then Paul says, but God is not far off from any of us. Acts 17, 27. God is not far off from any of us. God's not far off from you. And I believe that God, because He is near, because He knows you, He will help. And so, man, if you're having an off day, if things have felt tough for you, if you feel like you're stuck in the problems of your life, there's one source that I would recommend. There's one person that I would recommend that you reach out to first. And that's the God who is clearly demonstrated in Scripture that He is an ever-present help even when life doesn't make sense. Now we'll be looking at more instances of, of God stepping in and helping His people in Genesis and Exodus specifically over the next five weeks. And next week is a, a real doozy. It's, it's the story of Hagar, a woman whose life was just wrecked by the, the choices, sinful choices of the people around her. And yet God saw her and God helped. But as we, as we step into these situations and as we, as we uh, preach through these, I hope you're going to read along with us. I hope you'll, you'll either join us on the Bible app and find our church there or uh, we have these journal cards if you're an analog kind of person. We've got these around the room. You can pick up one of these. It's got all 100 days on this and, and read and process Scripture with us. And one of the things that we're going to do to help you because seven days a week can be kind of a stretch for some of us. I get that. Our church is going to pick up, pick up the slack for four of those days. Mondays through Fridays. Mondays through Thursdays. That's four, not five. Monday th- Mondays through Thursdays. We're going to be on Facebook Live at 12, 12 p.m. So you got a lunch break, about 12. You go find that Hot Pocket. You nuke it. And then you come tune in to, to Facebook Live and join us. And we'll have either a one of our staff members or another church person who's going to be out there and, and will be reading Scripture with you. So tomorrow, tune in. I'll be on at 12.12 and I'll be reading Genesis 2 and 3 with you all. If you can't tune in right then, it'll be posted up later on. Uh, but we want to make this uh, a thing that we do together as God's family. And so as we close, has life been difficult for you lately? I know someone who can help. Have you had an off-season at work? Does your work there feel overwhelming? God can help. Are things not right in your family, at school, in your relationships? God can truly help. He's proven Himself over and over again that He has been that ever-present help, and He will be an ever-present help to you. Church, will you join me in prayer? 
God, we know from your story, from your word, that you are, are truly the one who sees us, who knows us, and who steps in in our, our messy situations. God, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for your story. I'm thankful for the chance that we get to, to read of your deeds and learn from you. God, I pray that as we jump in uh, to this next 100 days, that, that we would be willing to commit to this reading plan, that we would step in and, and read and digest, and that your word would come alive to us. God, I pray that you raise questions that we have to wrestle with and uh, give us opportunities to discuss those. God, I pray that you lay things on our hearts, that your word convicts us of sin in our lives and moves us towards repentance and that you give us opportunities to live out our faith because of what we're reading. And so, God, take us on this journey. Father, remind us that just as you've shown up to your people, you'll show up in our lives. And Father, I pray that as we go from here, that we would reach out to you, trust in your name. Jesus, it's in your name that we trust. It's in, the, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. We get a chance now to, to respond. We do this every week here at South kind of a regular thing. We respond as we worship. Worship looks a little bit different depending on how you do it, and there are a few different ways to worship. We, we worship through song, through telling God how amazing He is and thanking Him. We also worship when we give back. Giving can be an act of worship. And we, we worship when we share the Lord's Supper together, remembering what Jesus has done. And so as we sing, I encourage you to come find one of the tables around the room. Find that bread that represents Jesus' body broken for you and me and that juice that represents his blood shed for us. Share that with your friends, with your small group, with someone else, a, a significant other. Share that together and remember what Jesus has done and worship him. And so as we sing, church, would you stand and join us in communion this morning?